Welcome to the COSEC Show. Join the COSEC Qatari Securities team as they share their insights on the Australian share market, discussing some of their best performing companies, macroeconomic news from offshore, including local domestic news, foreign exchange, as well as commodities. If you have any questions regarding the share market, our phone lines are open. You can dial in on 1300 854 151 or alternatively, email info at cosec.com.au. Exclusively on this show, each guest will reveal their hottest stock pick. For more information on any of the topics discussed, go to cosec.com.au. The information featured in this program is general in nature and does not take into account your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Guests appearing on the program may own or have commercial arrangements with some of the companies mentioned. Before making any investment insurance or financial planning decisions, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you. Good afternoon, investors. My name is Will Brownlee, and welcome to the COSEC Show, where we discuss all things relevant in the market this week. Macroeconomic data, currencies and commodities, top performance of the week that was, and of course, our hottest stock picks for the week to come. Before I go any further, please allow me to introduce my investment panel. Resident experts in the market to my left, Mr. By the Dip, Dan. How high can it go, Howie? Mr. Dan Howie, how are you good, sir? Very well, thank you, Will. How very, are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you very much for asking. Is there a doctor in the house? Doctor of mathematics himself, Dr. Adam Shedakowski. How are you today? Good, thank you. Very good. And back in front of me, as always, in the hot sheet, the ever-mystic Mr. Louis Mossman. Gentlemen, this is good. This is a good Friday, this is a good end to the month. The markets have rallied. We've got a lot of green on screen. US keeps getting bad announcements and they shoot up 1%. We're seeing some big earnings coming through. Everything's exciting. Love to be alive. Let's unpack it a little bit further and we're going to start off with on the tip of everyone's lips at the moment. The biggest news came out, of course, the Federal Reserve had their meeting this week. Louis Mossman, unpack that for us. Yeah, of course. So on Thursday, we had the Federal Reserve have their monthly interest rate meeting where they talk about the economy and make a decision on monetary policy. Always something I'm interested in. Uh, But this one was, you know, it's really hyped up for a long time, especially since we had our inflation data come out earlier in the month. And a lot of people were tipping a 100 pace basis point rate hike, but that didn't come through and we only got 0.75%, which took the central rate to 2.25 to 2.5%. And just to give you a reminder, a 0.75% rate hike hasn't happened since 1994. And now we've just had two in a row. A little bit of commentary uh, around this at the moment. Uh, This is Jeremy Schwartz at Credit Suisse. He says, we're not just tolerating below trend growth, but we're saying it's necessary now to put in different gloss on acknowledging the slowdown in spending and production. So people are positive, some are very negative. Some are highlighting the housing market being hit hard as well. And I do think it's quite interesting to see how well the market reacted off the back of it. We had the S&P 500 up 2.5%, the NASDAQ up 4% that day. And just to finish off, I'll show you a chart of, I suppose, what... Sorry, what rates have been doing. Uh, We are spiking up at the moment, but of course, we're still waiting uh, to see them turn around and maybe cut rates later next year, which is already on people's lips, surprisingly. Very good. So that's the Federal Reserve, but we had another meeting as well, and that was the GDP data that came out. So gross to masses of produce. Uh, Dr. Adam Shedakovsky, talk to us a little bit about that. What was what sort of unearthed in that meeting? That was a bad number, I can tell you that. (laughs) It was negative, but I will still <coughs> go back, uh, just educational, what is even GDP? And that is broadly just the value of products and services being created by a country. And talking about US, and that's where the reading came from, 
uh, we are looking at the change in that value. And the number we, uh, that came out is minus 0.9%. And it's a little bit tricky because it's a, uh, it's a quarter and quarter reading, but nevertheless, it's an annual reading. So how is that all about? So basically what they're looking is what has happened to that value from three months ago to now. And they are then looking at what will be the change for the entire year if the same exact thing happened for the next three quarters. So broadly speaking, that number is minus 0.9%. So we had a bad quarter. So an annual shrink of the economy in US by 0.9%. And this is not the first time, this is the second time, and that means a technical recession. So very, very bad news. And yet, uh, I think the most interesting thing is about is that so many people in the media, at least in, from the political and governmental side, are, are trying to convince everyone that is not a recession. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I, and I think, I mean, let's go over to uh, By the Dip, Dan, because I know Janet Yellen, I think, came out and said that we're not in a recession. Yeah. And they don't want to use this, they don't want to use this word as a recession. So we are in a recession technically, but we're not. Exactly what, what, right. What is, so. To be an official recession, the U.S. National Bureau of Economic Research has to come out and announce that. Now, they believe if the economy is to continue on the same trajectory towards the end of this year, they believe that will be announced within the next few months, but at least not for a couple of months. So I guess that is the technical definition of a, of a recession, as Dr. Adam pointed out. But something that's different at the moment compared to, I guess, past recessions is... Because we were in a recession as well. Australia went in for two... Didn't we have two? two? Yeah, two quarters, correct. But it was only for those two quarters in 2020. Okay. But um, I guess the thing that's different to previous recessions, I guess they look at the economy as a whole. As Louis said, they've talked about the housing market. Now, the two things that I guess are really, really positive in the economy at the moment, not just in the US, but here in Australia as well. Uh, first one, consumer spending. Still very, very high. It doesn't matter where you are around the globe this year. Um, lots of stimulus handed out by the government. Our household savings rates are all-time highs. Now, consumers are still spending a lot of money. Um, and we're seeing, I guess, positive performance in parts of that consumer segment that we re wouldn't really expect at this point in time based on the broader economy as a whole. But yeah. because of a lot of stimulus, um, we are seeing a lot of positivity there. And the other thing is unemployment. Mm -hmm. uh, pretty much record lows across the globe. I think we're at about 3.4 now. The US is at 3.6. Um, these are numbers that haven't really been heard in 30, 40 years. So yeah. two very positive segments of the economy that are still doing very, very well. So they're quite reluctant to sort of come out and say we're officially in a recession because there is still segments of the economy that are, I guess, outperforming with regards to what is expected with the way the broader economy is moving. On, on the back end of that, though, we've had the IMF downgrade its its outlook. So one hand, yes, we're not in a recession. We are in a recession. Technically, yes, but obviously the evidence could support otherwise. But why has the IMF come out and now said that yeah. things are, I mean, what's that all about? Well, I think Dan put it out, pointed out very well. If we're on the trajectory towards a recession, if you don't like that definition, we're definitely on a trajectory to a proper recession. Um, now, the IMF for everybody is, of course, the International Monetary Fund. And for those who don't know, a quick description of what they actually do. They say they support economic policies across the world that promote financial stability and monetary cooperation. So, so professional wafflers. Exactly right. <laughs> and they uh, talk to a lot of countries' governments, they have employ large numbers of economists, do all sorts of work in the world, the world financial system. Now, they've cut their growth rates from the, the whole entire G world in terms of GDP from 3.6% to 3.2%. Now, countries like the UK got a terrible rap. Their forecast was cut to 3.2%. They were cut by 0.5%, also down to 32 And next year, they're expected to not grow at all, the UK. Um, now, this is some commentary by the IMF's economic counsellor, Pierre-Oliver Gurinchas. 
Probably butchered that, but sorry, sorry, Pierre. Uh, he says the if, app. If you're watching Pierre, um, I'm sure Casey, he is. But yeah, yeah. you know, hit us up and I'll I'll uh, figure we'll it out. We'll figure probably. it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> but he says the outlook has darkened significantly since April, the last time he spoke, and he said the world may soon be teetering on the edge of a global recession, only two years after the last one. So the negative commentary is sticking and it's staying around, uh, and Pierre uh, thinks that we're darkening. Oh dear, less, less than ideal. Let's take things a little bit more local because let's talk a little bit about, I suppose, our own earnings here locally um, by the dip, Dan Howie. Yeah, so I, I think this earnings period will be really, really interesting because I guess a lot of people are looking at, at the economy at the moment when they're looking at the broader picture when it comes to earnings season. A lot of people are thinking about what's happening right now. But I think if you look at the lead up to this earnings season, I guess it's going to be a really interesting one because I think where we've been at the start of this year and where we're at right now is we're experiencing some pretty big cyclical changes in, I guess, on our index. You can see sector-wise what's performing and what's not. Um, and I think if you look at the six months leading up to where we're at now for this earnings season, materials, obviously, very, very elevated prices. So the expectation there, I guess, will be quite positive results across the board. I know someone like, um, you know, your Whitehaven Coal, they reported, I think, a $3, $3 billion in revenue. Uh, that's up from $200 million in the previous uh, same period. So... It's a massive increase, it's like 15x in the same mm, period. So mm. there should, should be positive results there, but I guess when it comes to providing guidance moving forward... Um, Everyone's withdrawing guidance in a big exactly way. Exactly right. So I think we will see uh, the size but is of... is it Walmart? Walmart withdrew its guidance over, over yeah, America. exactly right. And I think we were talking before about Amazon. Amazon was a big one in the US. Um, they actually provided some positive guidance, even though they missed... Uh, their revenues were down, but they provided positive guidance and they've had some pretty positive... Um, I guess, you know, yeah, appreciation. 15% up after hours and after hours trading. A massive move with a company yeah. that size. For, yeah. And for, for having earnings like that, I, I, I guess it is all about the guidance. So I think um, businesses like materials could actually, I guess, see a little bit of volatility through here, especially with regards to the fact that a lot of these commodity prices have had steep drops since then. Um, but I think the interesting one will be consumer discretionary. I think um, the spending is still up. Um, a lot of people don't expect it to perform well through recession. Now, we know consumer spending year to date has been very strong, but where is it going to go if we are going to go into a official recession, is that guidance going to be positive? Is it not? So I think it'll be interesting to see, but I think we're starting to see pretty big cyclical changes where the businesses that might not have performed too well at the start of the year might actually be providing positive guidance. Oh, very interesting. And then finish us off, Dr. Dr. Adam Shudikowski. Have a chat to us about what's happening in Europe because I suppose, I mean, and I think it's, a, it's probably for another another topic entirely, but we've still got a war in the Ukraine. We've still got COVID. We're kind of all yep. wrapped up with what's happening there. But just mm. briefly touch on what is going on over yeah, I mean, in absolutely. Europe. Absolutely. So, Louis uh, actually already touched on that a little bit, right? Because you were mentioning that Europe was one of the places where the GDP was showing some of the worst results. Yep. And uh, just to get it, uh, give a little bit of different perspective, I'll just show a couple of charts that are showing... So uh, the sentiment, so that's not really like GDP numbers, but just sentiment of people and sentiment of businesses. So uh, uh, so just very quickly, so we have a chart here on the consumer confidence in UK. And you can see this chart, I mean, very, very steadily downtrending. And uh, next chart, uh, we have the, uh, this is the business climate in Germany. And again, you can see here, it is downtrending uh, very rapidly over the last uh, 12 months. Uh, certainly a 12-month uh, low at the chart there you can see. Then next one, we are, uh, this is also from Germany, and that is the consumer climate. Again, we are looking at readings that are going down and down and down, and uh, the lowest reading we, again, have in the 12 months. And moving on to the next chart, we have then the France consumer con uh, confidence. And again there, it's another 12-month low. Uh, you can see it's downtrending. Uh, quite rapidly over the last, uh, particularly over the last couple of months. And final fifth chart for sentiment, um, that is the one from European Union. 
the consumer confidence broadly in the European Union. And there you can see it is at minus 26. So as we are saying, Europe is potentially the area in the world uh, among the wealthier countries where things are looking mm. the worst. Less than ideal. So not a good time to be in Europe. Probably not the best time to be in yeah, America. The, the European summer looks quite nice. Yeah, it does look very, very nice. It's been very cold here, I must say. Yeah, exactly right. Well, so thank you very much. That is what's happening in Europe. That's happening in the US. And it's a very brief update on the weather here in Sydney. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to take a short break. If you have any questions for our panel, please feel free to take a video and email it through to info at cosec.com.au. Alternatively, dial one three hundred eight five four one five one. Now, everyone that does will receive a copy of our book, Stock market success, retailing endemics for $39.95. In the meantime, we will take a quick break and we'll be back shortly with your currency and commodity overview. How do you get the highest returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea, Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Bloom, named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing, is everything. See how accurate COSEC stock picks are. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the COSEC investment edge, you know what you have to do. Call COSEC now or visit cosec.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients. Welcome back. Let's talk about currencies and commodities, all things that shine, sparkle, fold, and make the world go round. And we're going to start off with Mr. Louis Mossman. Give us your overview on what is happening with gold. Of course. Well, really interesting chart we spoke about last week and how it's perfectly used at a great level of support. So we'll start on a technical basis and bring up the chart. Now, this is a weekly chart you've got on your screen, so each candlestick reflects one week. And the most recent one is a nice, strong, green, bullish one. So quite interesting. We have all assets going up, risk on and risk off assets like gold with recession fears coming out there. Assets but gold like hasn't really been a risk off asset for the past two years, really. Exactly. Well, I'd say it priced in a lot of that nature mm. well before we actually experienced a lot of this. So it's kind of been stagnant, not sure what to do, but it's used that support, bounced up quite nicely. I just thought I'd highlight what's the pros and cons of uh, gold right now. The, the reason gold probably looks unattractive is two reasons. Uh, recession fears, crimping actual demand for the commodity itself, and Chinese lockdowns, they're the biggest consumer of gold. And of course, feared, fears of Fed rate hikes being continually aggressive. The reason I think we've turned around, of course, we weren't as aggressive as we might have thought earlier in the week, and the Fed kind of said we might be slowing down later on in the year when it comes to how aggressive we are. Now, the things that support the gold price, uh, markets start pricing in a Fed pivot later this year, or sorry, later next year, which is already on the cards and people are already talking about that. Two, risks improve in Russia, which they don't look like they might be that right now, but it could happen. And finally, broader acceptance and lower likelihood of a big recession and only a mild recession. So you've got to weigh up the good and the bad. I still think it's just going to flatline gold. It's not an exciting asset. A hedge to a portfolio, yes, but nothing too exciting on the cards. Oh, very good. And of course, 
well, you can't talk about gold without talking about oil. What's the sort of the overview of what's happening with oil at the moment, Doctor? It went up uh, this week, so uh, WTI up 1.1% and Brent up 2.1%. So not very significant, so but we are seeing uh, some positive uh, numbers there. What I felt, well, what I think was most interesting this news uh, this week was news from companies because we had uh, some of the biggest uh, companies uh, coming up with numbers and earnings uh, this week. So in particular Thursday and Friday, and one of the one that already has given our results out was Shell, and UK, and it was very very interesting to see. Uh, because their profits were very, very good. I'm so not surprised. Have you seen how much it costs <laughs> to fill a car up? <laughs> yeah, so uh, let's, let's just have a quick chart here. It is showing the, uh, the quarterly profits there, and you can just see the uptrend there, like the bars are going up, 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 up. So uh, very, very significant at 11.5 billion US dollars. So both uh, significantly higher than expectations, very, very much significantly higher than previous any previous readings. So just so positive. And at the same time, uh, we are like seeing, it was, it was funny because the day after that announcement, uh, so uh, they were also coming, uh, there were different number that came out in UK and that was the prices people will be paying for the electricity bills uh, potentially at the beginning of next year. And that is expected to be, hold on there, three times higher than the, the bill. Three times than the bill the same time the year before. So everything's going to increase. So, and, and the, yeah, exactly. So the prices for energy is just going up and up and up in UK in particular, but many other, of course, so much more. Uh, I mean, any country. You're going to get uh, an almost. electric scooter. And, and uh, so you are thinking, where is all the money going? Let's and well, start walking. <laughs> where is all the money going? And obviously, Shell is, uh, is taking a lot of that in. And Big uh, bonuses at Shell this year. <laughs> And the funny, the, the thing is, like the the workers, they're not getting, they're not getting any of that. Right? Mm. It's going a lot of that is going to well, shareholders. I mean, I mean uh, what would you? Sorry, sorry. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, so a lot of that is just going to the shareholders. The the workers are not get, getting any of the benefits. Yeah, well, that's uh, it's that's interesting. The it works. That's the way. <laughs> and I there's think actually so just, just to to finish off with a picture here. That is how some of the people reacted to the shell earnings. Uh, so they are using this shell has the the last four letters of that is hell. So they're emphasizing that in red. So there you have a, a lot of people not very happy. Like they are struggling, but Shell is taking off the money. Less than happy. Less than happy. Let's talk about something that has been a little bit fluctuating recently, and that is, of course, iron ore. You've had your eye on that, Mr. Howie. How's that all going? We've finally seen some positivity, I guess, on the, on the demand side of things. So the spot price didn't see too much movement. It was up about 1.5% this week, but we saw futures surge really hard. I'll pull up a chart really here. You can see... Uh, a pretty parabolic move there, and, and that's the, the futures prices of iron ore that expire in two months' time. Now, they're up 11% this week, um, and I guess that's because that, that's a four-week high for them as well, and it's basically from bolstered demand from uh, rebounding steel margins in China, um, and I guess it's, it's all sort of hope-based at the moment, but of, I guess, an economic recovery in the world's biggest steel producer. So I know, obviously, it's had a very rough run in the last sort of six to eight weeks, or even sort of two months, really, um, and I think when we look at that I think a lot of it's already priced in a lot of this negative. So any glimpse of positivity now, um, we do see some positive signs. And I think on the supply side of thing as well, um, really highlights why it's been quite a positive run because the supply issues that we were seeing earlier this year really uh, aren't really biting as hard now. I think if you look at our local iron ore producers, Fortescue Metal mm-hmm. posted record production um, for the end of the financial year and so did mineral resources. So um, I, I guess we were sort of pricing in the fact that they were going to be pulling back their supply because of COVID issues, weather issues. Uh, but they've come out and they've announced... You know, record production for iron ore, and they've actually provided pretty solid guidance moving forward too. Yeah, so expecting will go higher. Very good, yeah. Yeah, so the, the guidance has been positive too. So for, to see some positive movements when there is quite a few headwinds on the demand uh, on the supply side, um, really highlights it. I guess there is 
um, some sort of positivity coming through on the demand side of things, regardless of whether it's, I guess, speculative or not. Um, I think, you know, if we can sort of see this continue, I guess with the news coming out of China, we could continue to see some positive movements in the price of iron ore. Very good. Now, in typical risk-on fashion, we did see the Nasdaq jump up 4%. And, of course, our good friend, the cryptocurrency giant Bitcoin, also followed suit. How's that all looking at the moment? Just, uh, you know, 60 seconds on what crypto's looking like at the moment, uh, Mr. Yeah, of course. Go for it. I'll bring up a chart of Bitcoin straight away. This is the month of July for Bitcoin rising from around 20,000 back up to 23,000. Ethereum's now above 1,700, up 70% this month. So some really positive moves in the crypto space. Now, I thought I'd just quickly jump past Bitcoin and just look at the investment in cryptocurrency in general. Now, one of the biggest and most famous funds in crypto at the moment is Andreas Horowitz's Variant Fund. Now, this week they raised $450 million for their third ever fund. And of course, investment in this space is still very attractive and there's plenty of money flowing towards crypto. Give you a quick quote of what their beliefs are on crypto and I resonate with this and I think everyone should read it over and over. They say that Variant was founded on one simple idea. The networks that define the next generation of the internet will turn users into owners. Tokens distributed via blockchains make this world possible. So markets are down for the last six months, yes, but firms like Variant are showing just how strong crypto has been and how resilient it's been, especially during these turbulent times. And we're up for the month, which is good. Always, always good to hear. Let's go over to lithium because that's something that I've been kind of, it was such the rage all throughout last year. All the lithium miners, you couldn't, mm-hmm. like you throw money to lithium stock and it would just all just go up. Now it's sort of been languishing ever since they got that downgrade from Goldman Sachs. What's your analysis, doctor? Well, my analysis is that lithium is expensive and and it's uh, there is no really big prospects that the price will tank very significantly. So, uh, I mean, it, it might tank, but uh, it will stay stay elevated in my opinion. So, um, so basically, we are looking at year on year, the price has increased more than 440%. And the question is, well, why is it not tanking back? Uh, because it's actually been steadily more, I mean, broadly steadily uh, for the last couple of months since, since March, there hasn't been big changes. And one of the reasons is there is a demand. Demand is there. So, for example, the last month, June, in China, the EV industry uh, increased its number of sold vehicles that increased by 63%. Wow. So more and more people are buying electric vehicles. Yep. Shock horror. Who saw that one coming? <laughs> Who saw that one coming? What about nickel and copper? How are we all going on that front, uh, Mr. Howie? Yes, so again, similar to iron ore, with look, looking at spot prices, slightly positive movements. Copper was up about 3.3%, uh, nickel up 1%. But I think on, on the broader side of things, um, I mean, if we look at commodities across the board, I think copper was probably the commodity to be sold off the hardest. Um, but again, some positive movements. Again, there's been some supply risks flagged by some of the major producers around the globe, uh, and they believe that that's going to be a bit of an issue, which is why we saw some positive movements. Also, um, I guess this week in the US, the softening dollar can also have a pretty big impact because metal's going to be cheaper, I guess, offsetting it against other currencies. So uh, I guess that's the first time I've really seen the, the, I guess, the dollar index as it has pulled back as much as it has in the last sort of six months. So a little bit of positivity for some of these precious metals. Um, but again, I think across the board, there's not really any indicator of any sort of bottoming out just yet but i think the first signs of positivity across the board for copper and nickel um i guess after you know three months of sort of broader negativity which is some positive news i guess very good thank you very much gentlemen that's commodities and currencies and the events that have shaped them now are you a bull or a bear let us know one 800 our phone lines are now open but for now we're going to take a quick break when we get back we're going to have a look what the best and worst performers on australia were this week
Welcome back. Let's move on to our next section now and have a look at what the best and worst performers for the week were. Were there tears shed this week? Who lost money? And who has Christmas come early for? I know you have your chart waiting in the wings, Mr. Mossman. Give us an overview. Let's see that chart straight away. Yeah, of course, an extremely positive week for the market, up almost 2%. For the month, we're up five, no, almost 6%, 5.95%. So a lot of positivity moving around. Uh, and why our market moved up, well, this chart will tell you exactly that. Materials was the best performer this week, up 5%. Energy not too far behind with a rebound in a lot of our commodities. And, and the stocks all reporting quite well, providing some good guidance. Uh, and, of course, moving ahead, I think there's the positivity is likely to continue. I mean, the U.S. is doing something that none of us expected, so that's why this chart is doing so well. Real estate also had a 3% bump. Uh, unfortunately, utilities, communications, information tech, healthcare, and consumer discretionary ended down, but no more than 1% uh, apiece. Now, I just wanted to cover two companies that I found had an extraordinary moves, not only this week, but over the last two weeks. The first one is Kogan.com. Now, if you've been watching the share price of Kogan.com over the last 12 months, it's been a sorry sight. And every time you look at it, you can't believe that it could fall anymore. Now, this week they did report and they reported gross profits down 9.4%, adjusted EBITDA down 69%, but their active customers still grew to 3.9 million people. And the share price jumped a remarkable 50% in a single day. 50%. Did, they get a, did they get a speeding ticket for that? The next company I will talk about is Zip and Sezzle. And Sezzle did get a speeding ticket for their moves this week. And 100%. That was just... It was incredible. And I think Zip from the bottom's up, what, nearly 400% from its bottom? Yeah. Um, it's just been <coughs> doubling in share price. That almost being said, it went down a very, very long time. Yeah, <laughs> I was making the joke with Kogan, 50% of nothing isn't much really. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much it goes up. Uh, but yeah, Zip has been surging this week. No real solid explanation as to why they're... I suppose the merger slash takeover thing kind of faded away between the two companies. Uh, but Sezzle did get a speeding ticket. The company said in a note that they've got no idea why the price of their share, no, I'm sure that their share price is moving so fast. Uh, but of course, they enjoyed the jump in the NASDAQ as well, pushing Zip and Sezzle higher. Still two companies not really on my radar, uh, but always interesting to watch some crazy moves like that. Very good. Dr. Adam Shudikowski, what have you been noticing this week? What's your sort of two cents on the, on the market? Yeah, so today I was looking at some statistics from the government. So that is in particular, uh, uh, what I think is interesting is uh, so PPI, so price index, producer price index, and uh, more, uh, more focused, uh, so the numbers today that came out was more focused on final demand. So uh, if I had to explain, like, uh, that is, like, if you have a sugar cane that is then converted to raw sugar, that is then uh, converted to refined sugar and that's something that's sh uh, sold to eventually uh, ends in my pocket well maybe <laughs> well, maybe not in my pocket you carry sugar around in your pocket <laughs> <laughs> yeah well <laughs> uh, and uh, another example if you have wheat that is converted to flour that is then converted to bread and that's the one I will I'm not putting it in my pocket but yeah <laughs> <laughs> so the final demand is somehow the product uh, that is no longer refined and that's really uh, the numbers we're looking at and it was impressive we haven't seen a number in Australia that is this good uh, since 2008. Uh, so it's an increase in, uh, in final demand um, of 5.6% uh, annually. So what is this saying? It is saying that uh, the, uh, Australia is doing good. And uh, so a quick chart is uh, where, that, uh, where that increase is my, uh, primarily coming from. So uh, th this is showing um, the two colors on this chart here. So light blue and a dark blue. So the light blue is quarter uh, quarterly increase and the darker one is the annual one. And you can see uh, certainly, I mean, it's not unexpected perhaps, but petroleum uh, and petroleum uh, 
refining and petroleum fuel uh, manufacturing are the top ones. Uh, but the two other interesting ones I, I wanted to mention that are also uh, significantly higher uh, compared to both a quarter before and a year before is uh, building construction and also the, the other one was uh, heavy uh, engineering construction. So if you are like uh, looking out for opportunities, there, that's definitely some of the sectors or industries where you could be looking into and, it, and see if you can find interesting companies there because according to de- this data, that's where we see some interesting demand. Very good, very good. And what about yourself, uh, Mr. By the Dip? Dan, what have you been sort of noticing this week? Are we are we seeing some good movements in certain businesses? Or? Yeah, I thought this week was really interesting. We saw a lot of big moves on certain days. I think it was Thursday when Kogan was up 50%. Yep. There was four businesses up above 20%. Um, and I think anywhere from 10 to 12 up over 10%. I think there's been a, a lot of positivity this week, a lot of buyers entering into the market. Um, and I think, like Louis said with Zip, I think uh, uh, there was not really any reason. I think there's just a lot of broader positivity yeah. uh, this week across the board. And I think it was highlighted this week. Is I it think, positivity, uh, though? I don't know if it's positivity. I think it's certainty. Like, they, they've got a little bit more of an understanding yeah, of where we're, where we're at. Would that be a safe assumption? I mean, at some point when the share price falls, there's no more people that want to sell. And then the only people left are the buyers. And once they see a bit of value, they can move a share price like that. Yeah, you can tell these are liquid stocks. People were moving in very, very quickly. And I think today's the idea. People are already taking profits in three days. We saw Zip open 10% higher today and close 20% lower. So... Pretty, po- pretty pretty, big movements there. I think Double Corp was another one. Th- three days it was up 60% and it tanked 25 today. It's a, a lot of really sharp movements. It was actually quite, I thought it was a really interesting week on the market, but something we haven't touched on for a while that Dr. Adam spoke about is lithium. I think lithium had a pretty positive week. Again, we're starting to see businesses like Pilbara Minerals, Alchem Limited really start to break out. I know um, after that announcement from Goldman Sachs, there was a almost what you'd say, I guess, an irrational sell-off. I remember the day we were having a meeting through lunchtime and we came out at one o'clock and... Uh, everything was down 20, 30%, and we were like, what has happened? We're having a meeting through lunchtime. You mean we were having lunch? No, we were in the boardroom. Oh, right. Having we a actually were having a meeting. <laughs> yeah, we were actually having a meeting, and then we came out. And I think since then, there's not really been any actual positivity. There's been a lot of volatility through lithium, but the last week, this week, was where I really noticed businesses like Pilbara Minerals, Alcom, really start to break out of that, break through their moving averages, and really see some positive movement in their trend. Uh, for the first time since that announcement. So a couple of months of volatil- volatility through lithium. Um, but I think even business like Mnemonics, where they're not in the material sector, but they do have that tie to lithium-ion batteries, um, across the broad, across the board, quite a broadly positive week for lithium. Very good. Now, listen, I always like to, on the odd occasion, throw in there a slight sort of curveball to you gentlemen. This is not in your notes, but we are going to play a game. You get to select whether you think you're bullish on the market or bearish on the market, and you can give me only one reason either way. So, Louis, you need to tell us, are you a bull or are you a bear and your reason why? In my mind, I'm matriculating the idea that I just annoy Will and say a bit of both, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll play the game. I'll play the game. Okay. could be two ways. <laughs> Market could go up, could go down from here, one of the two. In the short term, I'll give uh, a bullish reason, and I think people are t- chasing profits in the short term. Okay, so think of chasing profits, so you're a buyer of this market at this current In the short term. Very yes. good, short term. Dr. Adam Shedakovsky. Uh, shocked and bull uh, for the same reason. Uh, you can't do that. You can't just steal his reason. Give us another reason. We'll come back to you. Uh, I'm also short-term bull because I think a lot of the negativity that we've seen in recent months is already now priced in, and there is we're already getting talks of, I guess, unwinding of things that have caused um, a lot of negative movements in recent months. So I think we've priced in a lot of the negativity, and as Louis said, a lot of buyers finally, like you said before, had the certainty to enter in. I'm a short uh, uh, 
ball, a short-term ball. Uh, You're a short ball. <laughs> You're a short ball. I get that. Okay. <laughs> I'm a short-term ball because of that reason as well. How does that sound? <laughs> No, okay. But the most so, intelligent guy in the room can't come up with a reason. I mean, I have a couple of reasons, but <laughs> so one of the reasons uh, I was uh, one of the reasons I'm short term bull is that I do see that there, there is a there is a shift in market, and we actually have seen more money uh, flowing in, uh, at least in the U.S. market, uh, where people have moved some of the money from their cash accounts into uh, uh, stock market. So and a I lot of a lot of positions out of shorts. Well, the, the change in shorts from yeah, that's uh, another thing. June well. to, Ju- to July was like forty billion yeah. out of looking shorts, at so. the futures. Another one. Well, I'm a, I was speaking to a client today or yesterday and they were asking me if I was a bullish on the market. And I said, well, I wouldn't have you invested in the market if I wasn't bullish. And my reason that I gave was because of the very heavily commodity-weighted index that we have and the very heavily finance-weighted sector we have because I think uh, banks are all charging more for loans um, now. I mean, yes, interest rates are going up, but they will be tagging on top of that. And I think banks will stand to make money off the back end of interest another, rates. Another sector had a very positive week. You look at banks, almost parabolic moves yeah, this week. absolutely. Incredible. Very, very good. So that's the best performers and the worst for the week, and that's the events that shape them. Now, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to go through our final section of the show. How do you get the highest returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea, Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Bloom, named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing is everything. See how accurate Cosec stock picks are. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the Cosec investment edge, you know what you have to do. Call Cosec now or visit cosec.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients. Welcome back. Now, do you have a stock that you think is looking good? Do you think you could have found the next big thing, the next big Kogan that's going to go up 50% in a day? Why not take a video and email it through to us at info at cosec.com.au or alternatively send us a text to 0422 972 897. Tell us what the stock is. Tell us why you like it. We're going to track it over the week. The person that tips the best performing stock received their very own gold-plated Kadari bull and bear cufflinks. Those are coming your way if you give us a pick. To get things started, let's take a look at what our investment panel is looking at for the week to come. This is this week's Hot Opportunity. So this is what investors are really looking for. We know what gold, oil, and the dollar has done. We know what the top performers of the week were. Now, let's find out what our panel is looking at for the week to come, and we're going to start off in slightly reverse order this time. We're going to start off with the ever-mystic Mr. Louis Mossman, who can see the future, ladies and gentlemen. He was the man that picked Kogan. On 25 bucks. <laughs> 25 bucks. But the point is it's up 50%. Let us know what you're looking at for the week to come and why you like it so much. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, 
in this cold weather, as we described, you always want to be comfortable in your home. And at the moment, I'm a big buyer of all things comfort, pillows, quilts, uh, anything for your home furnishings. And that's the path I've gone down today. Off the back of Dan and Adam both speaking about how strong the consumer is across the world, consumer discretionary is a, a path you can definitely go down. So one I want an area I don't really go in too often, but I'm looking at Adairs, ticket code ADH. Now they're in homewares and home furnishings. Not complicated, not exciting, a very standard product, but very consumer facing. But as I said, and as we've been saying for a while now, Australian consumer is so so. So that's that's Adairs, yeah. Exactly right. Oh dear, that's had a big pullback. <laughs> ah, see what oh, that was. That was one of the better that was, that ones. Was one of the better that. ones. Oh dear, that, that was expected. You won't be saying oh dear when you hear their dividend yield, which is a nice eight point four percent most recently. So if you like a dividend, um, Adairs is one to play that, and they're down more than fifty percent from their highs. So you could be picking it up on a bit of a discount now in a volatile market. Yes, the consumer is being hit. Sure, in the medium term, there could be another pullback, but it's got good momentum in the short term. And in the long term, as well, I think you're picking it up at a good level. We look at them on a fundamental basis, year-on-year increases in sales, revenues, cash flows, and earnings. Their EBITDA went up 50% in the most recent financial year. So they're making money, and they're doing very well at it. Uh, valuation basis, we've got UBS and Auburnet with 51% and 35% respectively. UBS has recently, today, this week acknowledged uh, increased investor appetite for retail stocks. As we know, a lot of these retail stocks have jumped up, Adairs being one of them. And then finally, on a technical basis, broad downtrend like we see in most of the market. So not too concerned about that. Uh, but as you can see, there's been a strong rebound. That stock did drop 60% in six months. It exactly had a right. pullback. And the higher highs and higher lows that we've seen over the last few weeks give me a little bit of confidence that there is uh, buyers coming into the market. Oh, dare me, that sounds like a good stock. Sure is. Very good. Thank you very much. So that's Adairs, ticker code AD. H. Okay, let's go over Dr. Adam Sudakowski. What are you looking at this week? Why do you like it so much for the week to come? So this week I'm looking at CCP. Uh, so that is a Credit Corp Group. And the reason I like it is uh, I think th- th- it has pretty good macro conditions at this point to uh, move higher. So firstly, just to introduce the company, it is debt purchase. So they're uh, purchasing consumer and small business debt from Australia, New Zealand, US, and also uh, and, uh, and doing things related to that as well. So as you look at the macro situation, there is a little bit, a, it is a, a bit of a mix because on one side we will know obviously there will be more debt for them to collect, and they will uh, will have a bigger revenue. And the question then becomes whether they can really turn that into profits uh, during something that getting closer to a recession. Firstly, Australia is not as uh, is not doing as uh, bad as uh, other places in the world, uh, as the data is indicating. So I think in that situation. Um, we are uh, the company is positioned stronger, and also I think they are pretty good at their business, uh, and uh, and uh, so that is another reason. And certainly, if you look at their uh, financial data, they are doing pretty good. All uh, credit, well. all credit to them. They do have very good financials. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, the next thing is of course broker calls, and on average, an upside of on average of forty eight percent. So we are talking about Macquarie, Ordminet, and Morgans. Uh, uh, that uh, of course all have targets that are much much higher than they are uh, now and finally let's have a look at the technicals and you do see a lot of positive indicators here so positive stochastic and MACD that is positive uh, indicating a good sentiment and uh, buying momentum positive alligator it is also in the pos- and above the mid dungeon pushing the dungeon higher and if you look just broadly look at the trend it is certainly shifted the downtrend and it is trending uh, in the positive direction so i do see at least short term that it could 
had another uh, leg higher and certainly there is more than 50% to uh, the uh, recent high. So a lot of room for growth there. I tell you what, if it goes up 50% to from here, all credit to you. I'm... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's going to stop there. <laughs> that, I'm re- okay, you guys are over that. All right, very good. So that is Credit Corp, ticker code CCP. Finish this off. Mr. Howie, what are you looking at this week? Why do you like it so much for the week to come? A couple of things. Firstly, if you can come up with a, a good pun for this, I think you're a genius. Yep. Uh, but the business is CSR Limited. That sounds code. like a sweet stock. CSR. Now, that's my second point. I remember we were in our investment meeting when we decided we were going to buy this Will goes. The, the funny thing is, <laughs> to tell the story. Cause Will, was, Will goes, we can buy this, but you're going to get the objection that people think it's the sugar company. And I'm like, no, we won't. Get out of the meeting. Will's call someone. We're gonna first buy, call. We're gonna first buy, call. First call. We're going to buy CSR. No, not the sugar company. <laughs> so CSR is an Australian industrial company who provide building products for residential and commercial construction. And they also own a 25% stake in the Tamago aluminium smelter near Newcastle as well. So they do everything. They have so many different brands. They have CSR Bradford. They have CSR. They do insulation. They do timber. They do uh, concrete. They do everything you can think of that you're at. You're at a it's funny. I was talking to a client today about it, and he was a construction worker. He did something to do with trade. He was something he ran, ran a business, and he said, "Sure, yeah, I know all about them." Yeah, they literally everything. Very, you, very well known. If you're like building a house, you can pretty much get everything you want from CSR. You can put the slab down, the timber, everything you need. They do chip rock. They do everything. So pretty broad, broad there. A lot of their um, customers are doing repair and rest- restoration work, so that r and part of um, materials. Um, so a pretty solid business. They've been around for a long time in Australia and they have experienced quite significant growth year on year. Uh, when we look at their fundamentals, um, you know, their, their sales and earnings table are increasing. Their return on equity has nearly doubled over that five-year period and their debt-to-equity ratio is negative as well. So that's always positive. Uh, six broker calls all see upside. Five brokers see more than 25% upside and four see more than 50% upside. Now, lastly, we'll look at the technicals. Again, a business that has come down a fair bit this year, um, but they're experiencing a pretty strong change in trend at the moment. We've seen from the bottom, they've made three consecutive higher lows, slightly retraced, consolidated now, and made another push towards the north with a hammer candlestick today just below the top donchian channel. So pretty strong change in trend. The buyer is taking control today, and I think a business that will continue to trend higher. Thanks. Pretty, pretty similar to my charter. Yeah, yeah very, very good. Similar. Very good. Thank you. And no pun from you either. So okay, no worries. Well, oh, you did the sweet one. I did the sweet one. Yeah, okay. all right. Very, very good. Thank you very much, gentlemen. That was CSR, not the sugar company. That was CCP. All credit to them. And that was Oh Dairy Me Adairs looking very good. Those are our picks for the week, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for tuning in this week. On behalf of everyone here at the show, I want to wish our clients, friends, and colleagues a safe and happy weekend. We look forward to seeing you next week. My name has been Will Brownlee, and this has been the Cosec Show.